Gen Z Speaks podcast. We are back with another episode as we promised being more consistent with me today. My fellow hosts, Matthew Gutierrez. How you doing? Doing good, man. Doing good this Sunday morning. And last but not least, the tech wizard himself, Jenish Thanky. How are you? I'm doing great, man. Having a good Our tech wizard. <laughs> I think that's what I'm going to call Jenish from now on. The tech wizard. Uh, tech wizard. It's got a ring to it. What do you think, yeah, Jenish? No. Usually, you embrace that nickname in um in in fields of computer science wizards are they actually called like real geniuses wizards so like um you know like the people in MIT that are making that made like the internet for example they they call them like the tech wizards you are our tech wizard there you go i don't know you're, if i would keep, I put myself in that category hey man wizard let us call you a wizard if we want to call you a wizard just embrace it, like I said. Embrace it. There you go. Um, so we have a lot to talk about today. Uh, one, the Pakistani floods, which I think a lot of people are familiar with. We're going to be talking about that. Uh, I mean, it, a lot of people were discussing it in the news and elsewhere about three weeks ago. The problem is it's still going on. Uh, around a third of the country right now is underwater. Uh, over 1,500 people have died. And because Pakistan's economy is so reliant on agriculture, about 40% of its workforce uh, depends on agriculture. The floods have basically meant that the crops that the farmers had been, you know, taking care of and looking after and depend on have basically been wiped out. And so Pakistan's facing uh, a lot of short-term and long-term challenges. Around $30 billion the country has experienced in damages so far, I think. And um, let's 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 talk about this. Jenish, what, what is your take on what's happening there? And how do you think we can prevent the the, um, you know, effect of climate change that Pakistan is facing? How do we prevent this from happening elsewhere? Well, first of all, I want to preface by saying I believe it's 33 million people that are displaced in Pakistan. Mm-hmm. And to give context to that. I think Texas has a population of like 20, 27 million people. So if we were to think about it in terms of America, imagine everybody in Texas was displaced and, and, you know, their home, you know, like their homes were gone or they've been impacted uh, severely by, uh, you know, the floods. So um, yeah. And then how, how we can prevent this. I mean, it's, it's, it's clear to the scientists that this is a result of climate change and we should take notice like um, th- this, this, uh, you know, for this form of uh, flood we've never seen in Pakistan before. Um, in, in it's Pakistan. Huh? What's that? Oh, yeah, you said Pakistan. Pakistan? Go on, go on. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, go on, go on, go on, go on, go on. I'm messing with you, man. Okay. Yeah, no, but in, in Pakistan, we've never seen um, this type of flooding ever happen before. And I feel like, uh, you know, climate change is played a big role in it and we should take notice and, and definitely inform people that th- this is happening. And this is not just, this is not a drill. This is not a joke. This is a result of climate change. Yeah, so I think the the flooding that they got was six times more than the thirty year average, which is crazy. And the size, like for reference, um, if you put the UK in Pakistan, that's the amount of land that's currently underwater, which is crazy. And um, like you said, thirty three million people have been displaced, and um, you know, also the problem is where the the floods are impacting people in in the most impoverished areas. And so people like usually farmers, a lot of agricultural land areas up in, in the Sindh province have been affected a lot by this. And um, yeah, I think it's climate change has definitely exacerbated it. Um, although I was reading on this thing called attribution science and scientists are coming up with more innovative ways to directly associate climate change with uh, natural disasters. It's hard to exactly pinpoint how climate change is doing it. But I think before the podcast, Janice, we were talking about this because of Pakistan's topography. There's a lot of glaciers in Pakistan. And so naturally, as the as as the world gets warmer, these glaciers are going to melt 
and the water is just going to, you know, create more flooding. And so uh, countries geographically positioned in certain areas are going to be more affected by climate change than other countries. And so I think the challenge is how do you deal with that, right? It seems unfair. Just because you live in one area, you're going to be more affected by climate change. And then another country might be, you know, um, giving out more greenhouse gases, which is causing the, uh, the, the climate to get warmer. And so, yeah, like, no, that's a great point because Pakistan, uh, the, the whole greenhouse gas, they, they impact less than 1% of it. So, you know, they, it's not even their fault that climate change is happening. It, 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 I feel like we're, we're going to see more of these as uh, years go by where these countries that, you know, that don't, that maybe they use old electric cars, they they do everything perfectly, they don't emit any greenhouse uh, gases, but as a result of every other country, they're still going to be impacted. So this is not about who's doing a better job, about who's emitting uh, less uh, greenhouse gases. It's more about working together and getting everyone on the same page because this is truly a you know a global effort because no single country can resolve this issue, right? Yeah, that's exactly what it seems like. No country can resolve its issue. And even though the UN um, consistently puts like these standards out there, it just seems like nobody really follows it, right? And so because they put these standards on each individual country rather than, hey, guys, let's do this as a whole. Um, and so it just continues to get worse. To me, it's still unfathomable to think that as 100,000 square miles of Pakistan is underwater. Like, that's absurd to me. To even think about that, I mean, you said the UK, Colorado alone is 104,000 square miles. So imagine that all of Colorado is underwater and people just like have no choice but to kind of sit there and wait. It's, it's pretty crazy. Another thing like I was reading is that it was predicted about a decade ago that uh, seven, it, the earth would increase in heat by seven degrees. And we're currently a decade later and we're over five and a half degrees. That's insane to think about. I don't know exactly how, what the temperature was in the beginning, but you know, five and a half degrees warmer in a decade. Of course, natural disasters are going to happen, right? Imagine what's going to happen in, in 20 years from now if we're already seeing countries are going underwater. Um, and so it's just, it seems like it's extremely pressing and we just need to take it more serious. Uh, you know, it, it feels like to me, Usually I'm an optimist, but in this case, it's just, you know, the pessimistic side in me is just thinking, I feel like it's going to be too late before we truly, uh, you know, try to change because everybody keeps saying, and, I, and, you know, we are making efforts towards changing, but that global united effort that we're talking about, that every everybody has to be on the same page, that, that effort, it, it feels like it's going to happen when it's a little too late. And, you know, scientists have already said that it's too late right now. Like we need to start right now. But I, I mean, it's just, it just feels like to me, the pessimistic side is just getting to me. I don't know if you guys have that same uh, I, feeling. I, I, I have mixed feelings, right? Because one, Matt, there are certain international goals that have been established, like the Paris Agreement, um, and, and this is like going to the UN as well. But the goal is to have net zero emissions by 2050 and cut emissions, CO2 emissions by 45% by 2030. And so we have made progress in the last 10 years. Global emissions in the US have been down. Uh, in Japan, they've been down. In Europe, they've been falling. So for the last 10 years. So we are making progress, but we're not on pace. You guys are absolutely right. We're not on pace for where we need to be. And so one thing that's really interesting to me is the politics aspect of it, right? So China and India, global leading world's economies are saying that when the US was becoming more industrialized or the UK was becoming more industrialized, they weren't thinking about their emissions. But the thing is, is like UK back in the industrial revolution, we shouldn't be using that standard right now, right? And so countries are like using, they're using the past as an excuse for not uh, meeting expectations like China repeatedly says the U.S. didn't care when it was, uh, you know, coming up as an economy about their emissions. So why should we care or why should we put more effort in or India makes the same arguments? But it's like, um, you know, it's about a shared responsibility, like you said, Janish. And 
The problem is, is rich countries emit more global emissions and then poorer countries face more consequences because of that. And it's like the politics of climate change is just messing everything up. And I just don't know how we move forward without just accepting the fact that we're in it together. Like every country has a shared responsibility and some more than others. And that's okay. If you have to do more of something to save something, that's fine. Right. That's the thing. That's the thing that's challenging a lot of countries. Isn't it funny how these countries are more concerned about the money aspect of it than rather than like the longevity of of life? Because obviously, right, if climate change is happening, the money that they're getting from their economy increasing isn't going to matter later on when the earth is just flat out gone. And it just seems that the ignorance in this, it's becoming overwhelming. It's becoming overwhelming because people just care about a dollar sign, but that dollar sign might not even last a a few hundred years from now, right? And so it's just a continuous ignorance yeah. of just moving on. This seems like a case where we don't have the foresight, you know? The, these leaders don't understand that maybe after 50 to 100 years, how the world will be and how, uh, the, even though you using, um, using more industrial uh, tools that emit more CO2 might be uh, beneficial right now in, in the monetary sense, after 50 to 100 years, that same, uh, you know, gain that they got will be attacked with uh, incredible loss because of natural disasters that happen or, or you know, other events that, that greatly harm the economy and the population of these countries. So it, I feel like this is also a foresight issue, issue where these leaders can't really see into the future and see like, wow, this might actually happen in the future. And um it, it, it truly does feel like to me that in the future, people are going to read this and think how stupid we were and how, um, how, how dumb these leaders sound. The problem is that they're political leaders, right? So they have to worry about their reelection chances. And obviously, it's so hard in a lot of developing countries to switch to you know, green energy sources like wind, solar, etc. It's it, it, because they're so reliant on coal and oil. It's it's harder to switch. I'm not saying they can't switch. I'm just saying they have yeah, to no, take into I, consideration the politics of their own, you know, re-election and their own political parties as well. So that's why it's hard. No, but yeah, I right. definitely. No, no, I agree with you. Yeah, it's just um, th- think about think about the people, right? Like, not everybody's a, a well educated. Not everybody understands um, uh you know they don't they don't have they don't want to worry about what climate change is going to do they're just living their regular life thinking about uh their kids right now what they're experiencing right now how much money they're making right now and um it's hard to put everybody on the same page and start uh, you know getting them to think about the future and what it's going to be like and you know it, it, it is difficult and the politics in that is very uh it is conflicting in, in, in a lot of different directions. I want to say that I think it's crazy that windmills, they're actually net negative. So every year that windmill produces energy, um, you're actually losing money. So, so like Edison with all these windmills out in Palm Springs, they're losing a shitload of money having these windmills operate um, and maintain. Because, I mean, if you go out there, you'll see dozens of them just not working, right? Um, it, it takes a lot of energy, it takes a lot of manpower and money um, to operate windmills. And generally speaking, they're a, they are a, na- a net negative for economies. Um, and so if you're asking, you know, third world countries to produce these, it's just it's not very realistic, unless a private party comes out, you know, throws windmills up there. Um, <laughs> I don't know what positive they'll get from it, because I mean, every year they won't be earning money, right? But um, it's just good to know that the reason windmills aren't so productive, uh, uh, not productive, not more used is because they are net negative and solar is still kind of being established right now. And so it's just, a, we're in a really weird time frame where um, to use r- sustainable energy, it's, it's obviously it's a lot better than 10, 20 years ago, but it's still not where we need to be in order for it to be mass produced. Yeah, but certain, I think certain uh, renewable energy sources are there, right? Like if you look at electric cars, I think we made great progress on that front. But then it's also 
the cost of producing electric cars is still high. We're still not at that point where it's easy to or cheap to make an electric car. So you're right. We're 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 we can always do better on in, in terms of technological advancement. But I really think it's just a um, a priority issue for countries. You know, some countries that are just not affected by climate change. They really don't have much incentive to act right now. Maybe they will in the future when it affects them as well. Um, and, and so I think that's that's something that the world needs to <laughs> deal with because it's coming up and, and it's already affecting so many global leading economies too, like heat waves in California, uh, droughts in California, uh, heat waves in Europe this summer, uh, heat the drought in Europe this summer. So it's affecting a lot of different parts of the world. It's just about committing to it you know i think it's like a over it's like a life thing too like if you truly commit to something you find a way and the will to do it and if you don't fully commit to something you're not going to find the will and the way to do it and so the only way to do it is fully commit to it and take whatever it takes but that's the tricky part what the whatever it takes means right now for poor countries that they're going to be struggling they're going to be you know uh they're not going to be um it's just going to be so much harder for them. Does that make sense? I don't know. Maybe well, I'm right. I, so, I, I mean, a point real quick. Yeah, uh, it, it, so to me, it's really strange. So I was looking up like hottest points in history and historically speaking, the h- hottest time on record was in 1933. And it was just a spike. It hit 133 degrees um, in death Valley. And it, it's never hit that high again. It's hit 129 in the last couple of years, I think 2018 or 2017. Um, but I don't understand. I don't understand how it spiked and then it just became back to, came back to normal. So you're talking about weather. There's, so weather is different than climate, right? So like weather can fluctuate. It can go, it can be high one day and be low the other, but that's absurd. Long term for climate. Yeah. Well, crazy stuff in the environment happens. It's crazy. Yeah. But climate is like long-term, like, uh, an accumulation of weather patterns. That's climate. Right. And so like a lot of times people say, oh, it was snowing this winter. Look, climate change doesn't exist. That's just weather. That's not climate, you know. So over the course of decades, if we don't cut our emissions and if the global temperature, uh, you know, is increased by more than two and a half to uh, more than two and a half to three degrees, it's going to be we're going to be in a really bad spot. And two, two and a half to three degrees Fahrenheit, by the way. Uh, if it increases to that degree, um, it's it's going to be hard to really combat climate change. That's why Jenner was saying scientists, 99% of them climate scientists agree the time to act is right now, not not 10 days from now, years from now, decades. It's right now. So, yeah. And going back uh, just quickly to your point, Ibrahim, about committing and, uh, you know, committing to change, it, it, it feels like that that is also a problem that countries are are unwilling to commit to uh, addressing climate change but it also just feels like that whole idea of globally getting everyone to commit is just too hard you know like you said everyone has their own priorities everyone has their own agendas and it's just to me i don't know how we can get everyone to commit it, it just doesn't seem it, it seems like a utopian goal that is just never going to happen in my opinion because everybody has their own agendas everybody has their own priorities and you know you we know very well that a lot of countries are not prioritizing uh prioritizing uh climate change well i think the problem is in committing because under the paris agreement right the overwhelming majority of countries have committed to reduce emissions it's about action like countries are so eager and passionate about committing to targets and goals. But when it, the time comes to act, they don't always follow through. And that's what we're seeing with climate change. A lot of countries are simply not meeting their goals. They have already signed all the documents, letters, and goals that there are internationally. It's just about committing that action. And you're right. It's going to be hard to fully commit. But I think countries have to realize that the world is just becoming a global village. We're so interconnected. As we become more technologically advanced, we're all just a one big community. You know, in the future, when we have um, faster air travel, it's going to be so much easier to get from one country to the other. And so we're just going to be so much more uh, 
intimate, if that makes sense. Like we're, it's going to be easy to get from point A to point B. And so because of that, um, it's just, it's just, it just makes sense to act now. Also, I don't want the world to collapse. I don't want my kids to live in a world of constant floods. Like imagine not going to school because, oh, it's raining too hard and my grandparents didn't do shit about climate change. So I can't really go to school for six months. And then, yeah, there might be a heat wave coming where I can't go outside anymore. Uh, you know, like that's a possibility. So. Sure. Um, last thing here to end off this whole Pakistan with climate change and the impact Pakistan has had on climate change. Um, so look, it's really sad, right? People are being displaced. Animals are going extinct because of climate change. Our terrain is going under. And it just seems that the more time goes on, the worse it's going to get. So let's just do something now about it, right? Not, let's not wait and wait for the next big person to go out and make some technological advancement to help something significantly. Let's do our, let's do, let's do our best, right? Each and every one of us, let's do our best to continue to help this problem go and, and you know cultivate this so it can eventually get into a better society eventually i have an idea why don't you become why don't all of us become vegetarians and stop eating meat <laughs> that's okay that's sorry i will die with high cholesterol i will die at the age of 30 <laughs> because i'll be eating ribeyes every single day before Save i go become a vegetarian <laughs> see i think the problem is is that every it's just human nature we're always looking out for our own individual interests and just countries are always looking for their own individual interests that's why it's so hard for you know countries to think of themselves as part of a global community at times i i think the problem is about being selfless countries have to realize that they have to sacrifice that yes one country is just going to have to make more sacrifices when it comes to climate change than the other but that doesn't mean that you get to slack off and not do your part in helping that country you know that it's not about like uh, oh, climate change hit me harder and you didn't do, you know what I'm saying here? I'm rambling, but my point is it's not like a competition here. Like who's, um, it should be a competition about who's helping the other countries more and doing their part in reducing the effects of climate change. Yeah, I mean, if, if it was a competition, Pakistan would be like, yeah, we're not emitting any CO2. Like the, 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 the emissions they're doing is like 1% uh, or less than 1% of the total, you know, emissions. And they're the and, sixth uh, most populous country in the world, 200. Yeah, exactly. So the, they're not contributing a lot to climate change, but they're the one that are being, they're, they're the one that are being um, impacted, right? So, I mean, it, it's it's really not about a competition, right? It's really about just, uh, like you said, it's working together and understanding that it's going to impact different countries based on, you know, different circumstances, such as geography. Yeah, sometimes, sorry, I don't want to keep talking about this issue. I mean, we should talk more about it, but just one last thing is sometimes what scares me is like the visual images of literally like sea level, sea levels rising and just losing the earth's natural beauty as a result of climate change. That's just like, I want my grandkids to experience the beauty of earth that I think, you know, like in Pakistan, the glaciers are beautiful. Like the topography of Pakistan is beautiful. And like, because of climate change though, they're going to be melting away and people might never be able to witness the beauty of certain areas of the world because of climate change. And I don't know, it's just something that's like, I think about it and I get anxious about it, but it's like, what can I do? But I know I can do something. It's like, like Matt said, like I told Matt, like we can be vegetarians. We can quit eating meat and beef uh, or chicken, not chicken, but beef primarily. Right. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I'm not willing to. We can recycle better. <laughs> we can I, I buy mean, an electric there's... car instead of using our gas car. We can fly less. See, that's the thing. It's like we're all hypocrites, man, because we're like, I, I just don't know how to wrestle with this individually speaking because I'm a hypocrite myself. Some people look, I, I think it works like this. Some people prefer to travel more. Some people prefer to eat meat more. Some people prefer to drive a gas powered car more. Right. So it's where do you compromise? And that's where it's, it's really at. Right. It's not uh, we have to stop flying more. We have to all get an electric car. We have to all stop eating meat. It's OK. I like eating meat. So maybe I'll get an electric car. Or I like traveling, so maybe I'll live in 
you, you get what I'm saying here, right? You have to compromise in certain areas than others. And you don't have to do everything because if everybody does something, then eventually things will get better. But I mean, I mean, that, that's true in a sense, but I feel like it's more about the countries, right? Like an individual person eating, uh, you know, meat or, or uh, driving a, a, uh, a gas car that that's not going to, that's not going to change the, the bigger uh, picture. It's more about countries implementing policies such as, Hey, if you buy an electric car, we'll give you uh, some, you know, we'll, we'll subsidize it. We'll give you some money along with it. So I, I think it's more about the countries acting, but the people are the vehicle for that action where they promote their countries to make these policies. Can't control what other people what, what the what the politics are gonna do. We can only control what we're gonna do, right? So if we start doing something, then maybe it becomes a snowball effect and it's just a natural thing because the government now sees, oh, this is what the people are doing. So maybe we should actually do something about it. And so it's it's rather than not like, hey guys, do this for us, do 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 do. It's rather, hey, let's do something naturally, and eventually it will happen. And I also think a lot of the CO2 emissions is a result of, you know, uh, coal usage and these usage of fossil fuels, which, you know, in developed countries such as the U.S., uh, we've kind of been changing that. You know, we, we've uh, I know there's uh, I've read some articles where the usage of nuclear reactors are now becoming more popularized as uh, nuclear energy is uh, an efficient, more efficient a way more efficient way of, uh, uh, of you know, pro- providing energy for the country without, uh, you know, emitting CO2. So the, 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 there's a lot of technological advancements that are gonna definitely change the, the scope of this problem. What pisses me off the most is when people say, oh, I can't really do anything when it comes to climate change. Yes, you can. You can honestly look at your carbon footprint. If you're actually serious about doing your part, look at your carbon footprint, right? Like Matt said, you can pick and choose things that you are willing to compromise on. Like if you are a big red meat eater, that's fine. But maybe look at ways to get sustainably grown meat. Like, you know, if you, if you really can't quit beef or like if you're the person that eats a lot and wastes a lot of food, 40% of Americans waste food, by the way, 40, sorry, not 40% of Americans, 40% um, of the food that Americans eat gets wasted. And so we can, we can, you know, uh, eat up all the food that we we order at restaurants right like have less waste um don't use um you know like don't what am i saying here? i'm losing my train of thought but my point here is that all of us can do our individual things even in a small way because like that's how things like climate change actually get um reduced is like all of us contributing in our own way and recognizing that all of us have an individual responsibility when it comes to climate change, that you can't just be like, oh, I am one person. What can I do? Yes, you can do something. Whatever it is, find it. Like, actually be curious about ways in which you can protect the environment because I think we're at that stage where we need to act and we need to stop with the excuses. And it starts one person um, at a time. Because think about it, bro. If all of us are so proactive about it, our political leaders have to act. They have to do something. Yeah. I don't know. For me, in an ideal world, it would be the opposite where the political leaders would try to make the change, but... uh, They can only do so much. Like, individual choices, um, individual choices, I think, create movements. And if, like, all of us... I don't think every... Like, by the way, in America, there's a political party, Republicans, who don't quite acknowledge the effects of climate change, who actively fight against, uh, you know, combating climate change any chance they get. Like, think about that. Like our Senate right now, 50 senators. I mean, some of the Republicans have started to accept that, yes, climate change is a problem, but the overwhelming majority of them are not doing uh, are not taking this problem seriously. Donald Trump, when he came in, one of the first things he did was got us out of the Paris Agreement. Why? It doesn't make any sense. You know, it was just an agreement. And that's like, it doesn't make any sense to me that there's a whole political party in the United States, one of the major leading economies that is not taking the problem of climate change seriously. It's disgusting to me because 
half of them are bought out by these big corporations, oil and gas companies that that give them money. And so they can't really accept uh, the adverse effects of climate change. And the other senators are just, I, I think, ignorant. They probably are cognizant of the, uh, you know, actually, maybe I don't think they're cognizant. I, don't, I just don't think they're smart enough to realize the problems of climate change. I'm not saying all of them, I'm saying a lot of them, certainly. All right, shall we move on? Yeah, um, Ukraine. Yeah, we can talk about Russia and Ukraine. We haven't talked about this issue in months. Yeah. The war is still going on. Um, Dennis, you want to start us off with that? I mean, uh, you know, I'm I'm still surprised that it's still going on. Uh, first of all, it's, I believe, like day 210 right now, if I'm not wrong. And um, wow. It, it's still going on. Um, there's a back and forth going on, but signs are showing that Russia is kind of losing some of its battles and territories, even on the Eastern front. They have like a bunch of counteroffensive strategies against Russia and um, the Russia, uh, the ministry, uh, I think it was the Ministry of Defense confirmed that they uh, withdrew some troops from uh, certain parts of Ukraine. Uh, I believe one of them was, uh, uh, a, uh, I think it was a city named Izium, I believe. Uh, I'll, I'll double check that. But yeah, you know, basically that so, some territories uh, Russia's going back on, you know, they're not pushing forward. Ukraine is actually fighting back and their their counteroffensive strategies are actually working, surprisingly. Um, However, it's not all this, you know, sunshine and rainbows. It's not just Ukraine's winning. Um, Putin has made some threats. He said that, you know, this war can get way more serious, way worse. And he's kind of, there was like an interview where he's smirking about, you know, I can make it serious and this can, this can get way worse. So it's it's unclear right now. It's not just, um, it's, it's unclear what's going to happen, just like it's been on day one. Um how do you guys think about, I just think, first of all, I think this was one of the biggest political mistakes of all time, maybe not all time, but one of the most just like dumb political choices that Putin has made in his career as a politician and a leader. It, it just didn't, it, it doesn't, it's, it didn't make sense on day one why he did it. And it, it still doesn't make sense to me right now why he's so, um, so, just you know he just wants to to take ukraine's territory it just doesn't make sense to me so first off i think it does make sense uh, it's just a very old way of thinking of things i mean if we look back in time i mean the roman empire they're just taking territory just to take territory right i mean the united states 200 some years ago we just took territory just to take territory and so it's not like it didn't make any sense. It, it makes sense. It's just a sad way of looking at life, right? Because he's just a power-hungry power hungry individual. And power-hungry individuals, they don't care about your feelings. They don't care about the 50,000 soldiers on their team dying. They just want land, and they want to be bigger and badder than everybody else. And that's what he's going for, right? Unfortunately, on his part, over 55,000 troops of his have died. Over 1,100 tanks have gone down of Russia's. Do you know how absurd that is? There was no actual military, like there wasn't an active military that was consistently, you know, training and stuff like that, like Russia, but Ukraine still was, was able to take down over a thousand tanks. That is insane numbers, right? And the more time goes on, we just see that, you know, I think, I think Putin is starting to become complacent with it. Like he's just okay with people dying. And so he's just willing to take the longer route out. Um, and he's not, it's like, maybe he's not as invigorated as he was in the beginning because, you know, people die, you start to become numb to, to the pain, to the death. And Putin's just okay with it now. He's just willing to take the ride, let more people die. And eventually numbers will win. And Russia has a lot more numbers in Ukraine and, and you know, citizens wise. Um, so I think that's, I think that's the route he's taking right now. And it can go on a lot longer because as long as people are still, you know, angry about it, <clears throat> there's still gonna be battles. There's still gonna be wars fought. And that's just part of it. You know what? I, I agree with you. If this was about 
400 years ago, I would say this is a great, great, great choice by Putin. You know, he, he's going to get <laughs> Ukraine. But but it's not. We're in a modern society where, you know, we're so globally connected. You know, countries countries can help each other out through planes, jets, just weapons, information. There's so many ways, uh, you know, U.S. has given billions of dollars to Ukraine uh, in assistance. And it just feels like the, this is not the right time for 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 Russia to just try to take Ukraine. And, and you know, other world leaders have agreed with the, the the things I'm saying, um, I saw an article recently. Uh, the uh, the president of India or the prime minister of India, uh, uh, Narendra Modi, he actually met up with Putin, and and to his face he said, uh, quote, "I'll put this in quotes." So he said, "Today's era is not an era of war, and I have spoken to you on the phone about this." That's just one quote, and he said that to Putin, and you know. I feel like other yeah, leaders... bro. But India was also neutral, and same as Pakistan, they were neutral when it came. Like they make like yeah, they make hints, but they're not like outwardly against Russia as like Western nations because they 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 kind of like Russia sold them cheaper oil. Well, uh, gas. I don't mean to make it about alliances. It's just that the choice of the invasion just didn't make sense. Right, I agree with you. I agree. Right? With you and, and other world agree. Uh, other world leaders agree with that. Uh, kind of not all of them but some yeah, yeah I agree obviously like the china you know china's i'm sure they they, they don't mind i mean they're, they're trying to do the same thing to taiwan so yeah you know we'll see what happens with that but i it's just um th- there's advancements going on in ukraine right now obviously a thousand about fifty two thousand russian soldiers have died um i believe last week like 350 soldiers died mm-hmm. there's all these small advancements that's happening but Russia's big- losing though. It's very clear. They're losing ground in the east at least. Yes, and they are. They if it are. continues, something that I'm scared of is like you said Matt brought up a really good point about becoming numb to death and pain. I think that's the state that Putin is in because so many of his soldiers have already died and there's just been so much economic loss. Uh reputationally he's lost all credibility on the international stage. I just think this is a point in time where a leader like that might even become crazier. And so I don't want to sound an alarmist here, but Putin can win this war against Ukraine by just using nuclear weapons. That's his like, um, he can literally nuke Ukraine. And if a guy can just invade Ukraine, a sovereign nation, what's to say that he can't, he won't use nuclear weapons either as well? Because Russia never anticipated the amount of bravery and just, um, heart that the Ukrainians have put in this war. Like he really did not expect Ukraine to have a chance beyond a week or two weeks. I don't think they were expecting this to go on for seven months. It's been seven months. A small country has been putting up a fight against. Oh, a Ukraine back. is pretty big in terms of size. No, no, I'm not saying. So. I'm saying in terms of uh, military capacity. Oh yeah, like it's, it's not. You can't really compare yeah, to yeah. Russia. But I mean, I'm not going to say Ukraine has been doing it solo. They've had so much help from, help from the Western global, nations yeah. and. Yeah. Putin had no idea that NATO would be so, uh, and NATO, Europe, and America would would be so, you know, so much. They would put, they would help Ukraine out in the way that they have. I don't think he had any idea. So yeah, yeah, it, 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 it yeah, it's just. I definitely all... think it's gonna keep going on. I don't think it's gonna stop. Um, the the, the uh, real quick, ahead. the point Ibrahim made about nuclear weapons, it just feels like. It defeats the purpose of the invasion. I think what Putin wants is to be able to control uh, the Ukraine, like the cities, the major cities, the major, um, you know, industrial points that they have in Ukraine. And if they just, you know, nuke all of it, there's no point of the whole invasion, right? I mean, yeah, you have the the natural resources that are still present in Ukraine, but the whole uh, whole state would just be all and just demolished, and it wouldn't make sense. Oh, we nuked this thing that we want to take control over. Like, it yeah, doesn't... but do you think he'd rather say, "Hey, I lost," or "I can nuke you and I can win, and I'm not going to be a loser," right? So those are two different things. Like, sure, he could want something, but I think his pride is so high that he'd be willing to go the extra mile just so he can say, I won. Like, this is my land now. This is what I wanted. This is what I have. Yeah, true. He can be a complete psychopath. But also, I feel like 
if he does use nuclear weapons, there'll be so many consequences from other other countries. Like, think about it. Think about yeah, we hear that uh, that he nuked one of the cities in um in Ukraine. Like, think about the responses from Western nations. I think it would be it would be ridiculous, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, I, I hope he doesn't use any nuclear weapons. <laughs> Uh, but you never know with Putin. I don't know what's going through his head. Really hard to predict type of guy. Um, Too much power. Didn't he just get uh, diagnosed with cancer? There's rumors. There are rumors about that. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Some people say they got. They were like analyzing him in like some uh, some political. I thought it was official though. I thought like an official report came out. On, or am I? I don't know what's happening. All I know is. He, be, when you have that much power, man, it just corrupts you in a way that's just beyond our imagination. Like, no one can question Putin in Russia. What do you say to Putin? Like, you can't say anything to him. And then you just, I think human nature is such that when you have that kind of power that Putin has, you kind of just lose sight of yourself. You lose sight of our morals and ethics, and they just take a back seat. And so he's just thinking through things through his. Uh, arrogant lens, and I think that can lead to a lot of destruction. So, by the way, hope and pray. By the way, are you saying that Taiwan isn't a part of China right now? Whoa, 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 whoa. we're gonna be. <laughs> I don't know, man. All I know is that the Chinese government doesn't believe Taiwan's its own entity. Yeah, that's true, that's... bro. We're gonna get banned off TikTok, man, for this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, but that's that's concerning too because China's getting ready to do some stuff there as well. They're always, right. I don't know. The world's a complicated place, man. Why can't all of us just be happy and nice to each other? Because why it can't be you... life? Because this huh? is real. This is real. It's too this real. Is real. It wouldn't be life. I'd be I think wrong. I'm a believer. I think God gave us like all these problems, like to humans. I mean, I believe that there's other stuff out there, but we specifically have like all these bs problems because that's just how we have to treat life like i think he wants us he wants to see how we will interpret how he's the problems he's given us i think he wants us to see the the hardship in 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 a lot of things and see how we react to it and based on how we react to it whether positive or negative will show like what kind of people we are will show what kind of you know stuff i mean whether it's positive or negative and and i think that's that's the ultimate goal I don't, actually, I don't want to get philosoph- I, don't, I don't want to get philosophical on this. Man's getting religious. Preach, baby. I don't, know. <laughs> I don't know. I think it all goes back to the self, being selfless. But it's hard to be selfless if you want to win, especially as a country. You know, you have to put your own interests. America has put its own interests before so many other things. It's ridiculous. Like, as Americans, we're such hypocrites for asking the world to be selfless. Because time and time and time again, we have literally prioritized us and our success beyond anything. And so morally, we're just so um, we're not credible to always be talking about being selfless. And so I don't know. Man. You know, it's, it's fascinating. It, it, this is kind of off topic, but I was reading, uh, I was uh, listening to Dan Carlin's Hardcore History podcast. By the way, great podcast. Check it out. If you already haven't, but um, whoa, 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 listen to our podcast. First than listen to his. <laughs> if, if you like history, we don't talk about history that much. Dan Carlin, but yeah, no, he he's huge. He's a huge podcaster. Um, he he made a podcast about slavery in America, and it was it was really fascinating about just listening to how um he, he spoke about how hypocritical America has been. It, you know, um, I believe it was about like the eighteen twenties, most countries like the uk and all these uh, western european countries have already banned slavery and you know uh, been saying that slavery is wrong but the america the country that in their constitution said all men are created with e- equal rights that's the country that still has slavery and is justifying it in multiple ways and that hypocrisy was seen by philosophers even then and this been it, it, it was just insane so yeah, of course. I think the selfish uh, interests of America have been hypocritical in the past and still are hypocritical in many sense. And it, it, it is pretty uh, crazy. A couple things here. So one, like the whole every man, 
at the time they didn't see slaves as as full humans right they didn't see them as full men. yeah but everybody else did uk did at that time right but, but, that, but that's aside the point right because that's the, the thing bro of the united states they were so ignorant the of the uk yeah they maybe so they were ignorant but that's not how they maybe were they were ignorant it, right? But yeah. that's like that can excuse the fact. No, but it's not even no, 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 it's not even that they were ignorant. The North was trying to ban slavery, so even in America, it wasn't. But like, that was oh. way after, brother. That was no, way no, no. After. This is this is the 1820s. This is 1830s, 1820s. Right, but when was the Declaration? And when was all, all 17, the 1776. That's what I'm saying. 50 years. That's a long time, man. Yeah, but yeah, no, things change. I agree with you. Yeah. Okay, but, and another thing is, I mean, it's 100. percent U.S. is not perfect. There's a lot of hypocrites and there's a lot of bullshit that happens. But I want you to name me a government that isn't hypocritical, that isn't bullshit. It's all the framework. It's all how the people in power frame how their country is viewed. It's it's, it's all framework, right? Some people try to frame us as more positive. Other people try to frame another country as more negative. But if you go to that country, they're going to be framed as positive and we're going to be framed as negative, right? And so it's all framework and it's just how people view it's just a perception of it it's it's how people view one thing over another thing it doesn't make another country right it doesn't make us right it's just it's all bullshit we we live in a power hungry world where people are going to continue trying to get more money more greed more power just because that's the nature that's human nature right humans always want more and, and that that's just what it boils down to in every country it doesn't matter if you tell me switzerland or sweden how great they're doing sure maybe they're doing better than us but I guarantee you there's still corruption going on. There's still greed going on in the government. If you don't tell me that, then I think, you know, I think you're pretty ignorant. Yeah, sure. I mean, you're right in a sense that everybody. I yeah, mean, but that both... doesn't mean we shouldn't strive for, to be better. We shouldn't like that doesn't excuse the fact that we should always, you know, strive to move forward and improve, you know? No, no, I'm not saying that, my man. My man. I'm saying like. We, we can't just discount other countries just because they're not as big as, as us and we're doing the same thing that they're doing, right? Every country is doing this. And so it's like, don't just, I'm not, I'm not picking on you guys. I'm saying this in, in general. I'm saying it's not just the U.S.'s fault. It's not just Russia's fault. It's not just, you know, the big five's fault. Every country is doing it. I mean, Venezuela has some of the worst politics in, in history and there's still tens of millions, hundreds of millions of people living there, Right. That's still that's still significant, and so like just I get because your point. Yeah. you get my point now, yeah. You so see, it's you, like, mm-hmm. go ahead. tell me if I'm wrong. Sorry, I'm interrupt. You're basically saying that oversimplifying global problems into saying, oh, it's the U.S.'s fault, or it's the it's Britain's fault, it's colonization's fault, or it's that's fault. It's oversimplifying complex things. Like for example, in Pakistan, right, the floods are happening right now. One of the ways this could have been prevented, if I mean, the the, the one of the ways this could have been prevented is if Pakistan had a better water usage system, uh, you know, if the, it didn't have so much party divisions, if there wasn't as much corruption so that the aid money that Pakistan receives doesn't get used in, you know, bad ways by these political warlords, basically. And so you're right. Every country has its own problems that lead to other problems. So I, I agree with you. We shouldn't oversimplify things, but I still think some countries in the world bear responsibility for the problems of other countries. That's, I think, a fact. Like, because, I mean, if you look at historically, I, th- I just think it's a part It's part of the problem. It's not all of it, but it's part of it. Like, the U.S. has systematically messed up countries because of overthrowing their political leaders, the CIA, you know, like, literally <laughs> assassinating global leaders. And I think so, like, Matt- the, you know? Yeah, I think Matt's point makes sense for things that are not directly uh, result as a result of these big countries, right? Like, there there's some things that happen that that the U.S. has no part in, or maybe very little impact in. So we can't just point at the U.S. and say it's your fault or your. But like Ibrahim is saying, like a lot of these Middle Eastern countries are fucked because of the U.S. directly. So. Uh, you know, it, I think it's fair to point at the U.S. and say, maybe, you know, you guys did fuck up here. So uh, yeah. oh, 100 percent. So I, I I completely agree with you that, like, we totally screwed over the Middle East. Right. Um, the reason we went there, they lied to us. You know, we supported it. And then, you know, t- I mean, people saw it at the time, 100 percent. But 15, 20 years later, it's become a national consensus that we shouldn't have been in the Middle East in the first place. Right. That we shouldn't have been looking for what we were looking for over there. 
But what I will say is, my, my point is, sure, we messed up. But there's been tons of other countries doing the same stuff during the same time period that are just not viewed because media didn't talk about it or we just don't know about it, right? So it's not just us making mistakes. It, it's other countries making mistakes individually. And, and people just tend to go towards the big dog because a big dog's easier to get. And so th that's my point. Um, another point that Ibram actually brought up, which I thought was pretty good, that pa Pakistan is kind of exasperated exacerbated their resources before because of corruption, because of misplaced money and such. And it's interesting because, you know, climate change as a whole, we can probably do something about, right? Like that's a general consensus that we can do something about it, but people aren't doing stuff about it. So how do you react to that? You have to react to that to protect yourself, to protect your country. And so say, Hey, you know, people actually aren't doing much about it. So how am I going to protect you know, the citizens of Pakistan, how do I protect my country? Maybe I should have more money in place in case a natural disaster does happen so we can get back going quicker. So we don't have to rely on other countries as much as we, we may have to now, right? And so I think that there has to be backup plans. There has to be, sorry, not even backup plans. You have to forward think what could happen. And if you forward think that, you know, natural, disaster, natural disasters are likely to happen in our country just because of the geography of where we are. Like, that's just life. The geography of where you are, you can't do anything about it. Sure, it's unfair, but life's fucking unfair, right? And so you have to go ahead and put things in place in order to, you know, reconcile the damage that's already happened or make sure that your citizens are, are safe and, and ready to go when a natural disaster will happen. Yeah, but, 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 yeah, I exactly. That's what I was saying. But the US has like had a very large role in, destroying a lot of things and people and like in my Pakistan, the war on terror, the war in Afghanistan, 85,000 Pakistanis have died in the last 20 years, 85,000. The country says it has experienced $150 billion in losses uh, during this whole war on terror thing. So it's, it's complicated, man. And I hate to use that word over and over again, but there's, there's so many different facets to the world's problems and oversimplifying things is not fruitful for anybody. But I st still think that doesn't excuse the fact uh, that doesn't excuse the U.S. for the atrocities that's committed across the world. It's just we, we have to do better. We have to hold our leaders to be more accountable and we have to be informed. So many of us are not informed about so many things. We're just ignorant. If we start caring, our leaders will start caring, too. You know, it starts with us um, leading by example. All right. I think that's a good note to um, end, perhaps.